0: The following message is brought to you by the CD ministry of Rancho Baptist Church. This message by Pastor Matt Shia was recorded during our regular morning worship service. Pastor Matt is the senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. And while Pastor Matt is on a missions trip in Mexico this weekend, we'll be hearing from the chair of our elder board, pastor and teacher Eric Cragg, who will be talking to us about grace and rewards, the gospels, so now here's Eric.:
1: We've got a lot of things to look at we 've got a lot of, uh, of blanks to fill in, so let's get right to it. The big question is, how will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? How will the way we live here and now li- affect our eternity? Now, the context of Matthew 19 um, is at 27 to 30 and I'd like you to turn your Bibles if you would please if you don't have a Bible there should be one in the back of the chair somewhere near in front of you Uh, we're going to be looking at the end of Matthew 19 and, and in Matthew 20 a little bit in Matthew 25 the background of verses 27 to 30 is the interaction that Jesus had with the rich young ruler and his disciples in Matthew 19 16 to 26 So I start in verse 16, follow along if you would please. And behold, one came to him and said, teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieved for he was one who owned much property. Uh, This young, young ruler, this rich young man might well have been an American for we even the poorest among us are rich. And in this valley, we are very blessed. That's not to say that there are not people in this valley who do not have difficulty or shortage. There are. But for the, for the large part, we are very, very, very blessed. And sometimes those riches can get in the way. And Jesus said to his disciples, verse 23, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for, the, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus declared it was hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. Verse 26, 25, excuse me. And when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? The disciples had the sense that the rich were blessed by God. And if it was difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom, then what chance did regular people have of getting into heaven? And looking upon them, verse 26, Jesus said to them, with men, this is impossible. With men, this is what? Impossible. It is impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. Jesus responded with an incredibly important statement in verse 26, which is worthy of our attention but it is not the focus of what we will look at today. You might want to study Matthew nineteen twenty-six when you get home or during this week. It is an amazing verse. But that verse gives us context for where we begin. The big question for today, how will, we, will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? Peter's question in response to the discussion with the rich young ruler. What about us? Matthew 19, 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? You promised the rich young ruler if he would leave everything and follow you, he would have riches in heaven. What about us? If he sold what he had, if he, if he gave it all up, what about us who have given it up? Matthew 19, 28. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, that you, you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You will reign with me. I'm not about giving up riches. It's not about giving up riches. It's about following Jesus. The salvation part of what he told the rich young ruler was not the giving up of wealth. It was the following Jesus. Now it is likely this promise is specifically for the 12 because 12 thrones are are involved, one for each of them to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. However, All believers will reign with Christ. 2 Timothy 2.12 If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Revelation 20 verse 6 Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power. And they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. We are looking forward to reigning with Christ in the millennial period. We will reign with Christ. Matthew 19.29 And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, shall receive many times as much and shall inherit eternal life. We will receive much more than we lost and will inherit eternal life. Many times as much literally is a hundredfold or a hundred times. It's probably not limited to a hundred times. That's simply a way of expressing lots and lots. Following Jesus um, may well involve major loss. Many of you may may well have experienced rejection by family and in business for believing in and following after Jesus. But God will make it up to you many times over. I don't know how, if you've been isolated from family members, how God will make that up to you, but he will. More than that, not only will they receive more than what they lost, they will inherit eternal life. This is not reward this is inheritance because of our faith in jesus we, have, we will inherit eternal life colossians 1:12 giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life hebrews 1:14 are they not all are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not uh, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. We have a heavenly inheritance. That is part of what God is giving to us. An inheritance which is yours if you have transferred your trust to Jesus as your Savior. Matthew 19.30 But many who are first will be last, and the last first. God's pattern of rewards probably will not match our expectations. God's pattern of rewards probably will not match our expectations. The expectation of the disciples was the rich are blessed by God, and surely they will be in heaven. But instead, Jesus says, those who appear to be first will be last. And those who are last will be first. The disciples The disciples were lost in, were not lost, they were saved, but they they did not understand that things in God's economy are not necessarily the way that we see things. There is more to this first and last, last first idea. So Jesus explains with a parable. Laborers in the vineyard, verse 1 of chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the uh, he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, "You too go into the vineyard and whatever is right I will give you." And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard. The promise we will receive, The, the promise is we will receive whatever is right Whatever is right. The vineyard owner went out to where idle workers were available. Now, I'm in a wheelchair. I don't get out much. Geneva takes me out from time to time. We go to our favorite restaurant, and they are very much a blessing to us, and hopefully we are a blessing to them. But it used to be that workers could be hired off the street in Temecula. In Old Town, they would be standing around in Butterfield Stage Road they would be standing around and, and I don't know where they stand now but that's where they used to stand and you could hire workers right or not it was happening and it probably still does that's the way it was and, and that's what Jesus calls to mind in this parable he agreed with the workers to, uh, that he hired at 6am to pay them a denarius a day's wage about $48 for a day's work. He did the same at 9 a.m. and he agreed with them to pay them whatever was right. He did the same at the sixth and ninth hour, noon and 3 p.m. And even at the 11th hour, 5 p.m., hiring those who stood idle for most of the day. Matthew 20, verse eight. And when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more and they also received each one a denarius. Everybody got what the landowner and the workers agreed about, a day's wage. Evening came, 6 p.m., and the owner instructed the foreman to pay the laborers. The first group, excuse me, the last group, first. The 11th hour workers got a denarius, a day's wage, for one hour's work. Every group of hired workers got the same. And when the group hired, uh, the 6 a.m. workers came, they came to receive their wages, and they received one denarius as well. Verse 11. And when they received it, they grumbled. They, would you grumble for me, please? Uh, they grumbled. You, you seem to be aware of what these people were like. They grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. Rewards won't be given according to our expectations. Those guys from the first group hired, the 6 a.m. bunch, got bent out of shape and grumbled against the vineyard owner. The last guys worked only one hour and we worked all day under the scorching sun. We did all the the heavy work and he made those five o'clock bums equal to us. Where's the justice in that? That's not right. That's not what we expected. Oh, expectations. Verse 13. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me? to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? The landowner defends himself. God is generous according to what he wills to do. Here I'm placing God in the place of the vineyard owner. Choosing one guy from the group of complainers, maybe the most vocal, the landowner explained. Friend, I'm doing no wrong to you. Didn't you and I agree on a denarius for a day's, a day's work in the vineyard? Take what is yours and go. I wish to give to this last man the same as I did to you. Can't I do with my own what I wish? Are you envious because I'm generous to the other guys? What's the matter for you? Do you remember that song? What's the matter you? Got of no respect? This guy had no respect. Verse 16 thus the last shall be first and the first last. There is a sense of equity in God's pattern of reward. Everybody got the same. The last ones were paid first and the first ones were paid last. Then there's this prediction in verses 17 to 19. And as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves. And on the way, he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. Jesus privately gave them the plan. We're going up to Jerusalem. Hey, that's the big news. This is what we've been waiting for. He must be going to Jerusalem this Passover to declare himself king. And, and, and now our ship is coming in. We've been three years following around the Lord. And we've been dealing with the dust and the hardship. And now it's going to be the time of reward. Oh, this is the good time. And betrayal and condemnation and humiliation and torment and crucified death await me there. And the third day I will be resurrected. Seems like they didn't fully understand as we shall see in the next paragraph. Verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. The mother of James and John requested they be given the highest positions in the kingdom. The focus is on what they thought was going to happen in Jerusalem, a coronation. James or John must have leaked the news to mom who would boldly make the claim on the two highest offices behind Jesus for her two sons. Remember, Jesus took the the disciples aside privately to tell them. Mom must have found out from her sons. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Apparently, he's now talking to the sons. And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, My cup you shall drink. The road to reward may well involve hardship because of association with Christ. The cup is usually thought to be the cup of suffering, which Jesus asked to avoid drinking if possible. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. And he went a little beyond them, this is in the garden of Gethsemane, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as thou wilt. Matthew twenty-six forty-two. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, thy will be done. And he prayed the same likewise in the third time. Herod killed James, whose mother asked a high position for him, as recorded in Acts 12, 1-2, with a sword. John was imprisoned on Patmos, according to Revelation 1-9, but we are unsure of how he died. Uh, One report is that he was boiled in oil, but we're just not sure. Second part of verse 23. But to sit on my right and on my left... This is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. The Father determines what we will receive. It's not determined by us, it's not determined by our mothers, it's determined by our Father in heaven. Verse 24. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. It is not so among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Greatness will be identified With service. You want to be great in God's kingdom in the millennium? Find a place to serve and serve. Verse 28 Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, Jesus came to serve and give his life in the place of many. Jesus is our model of service. He gave his life for us. He will give, uh, how will we give our lives for him in his service? It may be that somebody here will serve him full time. I see people who are here who have given themselves to full time service. Service opportunities come in our church as well. Awana needs workers. I talked to Noel Trout just yesterday. He called me on the phone. He wasn't whining, but he was saying we need workers. Apparently there have been a number of teachers in Awana who for one reason or another are not able to serve this year. And he's coming up to the beginning of the Awana year and they need workers. They need helpers. He, he asked me again, what is the elder policy on people from other churches serving in Awana? Because there's a whole pool of people who bring their children to our Awana and would like to be involved. And my response to him was, well, they can be helpers, but they can't be teachers. That's reserved for people in our church, unless the elders take specific action on a particular person. But they still need to be fingerprinted, Noel. Absolutely, they need to be fingerprinted. He agreed. We need workers for Awana. We need workers for our Sunday School and Children's Church. See Noel about Awana. See Lou about uh, Sunday School and Children's Church. We want to serve our youth. See Shane. We want to serve. If you want to serve and you don't know in what capacity, you just know that God wants you to do something, talk to Pastor Matt. Talk to Brad. He can tell you. All right, the parable of the talents. Turn your Bibles, if you would please, to Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus says in verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. God entrusts his resources to us as he chooses A talent is very valuable. One silver talent is worth, in today's dollars, at a minimum, $576,000 or more, depending on the size of the talent that's being used. Not everybody gets the same resources, abilities, or opportunities. Billy Graham has had different evangelistic opportunities than I do. His gift is evangelism. My gifts are teaching and perhaps administration. My gift is not making lots of money. I still ask the Lord about that one. (laughs) I am notoriously bad as a stock picker. If I buy a stock, it seems like it is guaranteed to go down over time. So if you hear of me buying a stock, flee. Other folks, on the other hand have a gift at being able to pick the right stocks and stick with them. My father-in-law has done extremely well with that. In the parable of the minas in Luke 19, 12 to 27, uh, a parable which is often linked with the parable of the talents, although they are entirely different because uh, the minas was spoken in Jericho, the talents was spoken in Jerusalem in the upper room after the, uh, the Passover meal, the Last Supper, In the parable of the minas, uh, we find that everyone got a mina, about $48,000. They all had equal provision. But we all have equal opportunities. We have the same number of hours entrusted to us. The same stock market is there for everybody to pick in, some better than others. God doesn't just give us financial resources. He gives us spiritual gifts and talents to use in serving him. But the point is to use them in serving him. Verse 16. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. We are to use to invest them for him. The first two stewards doubled the money entrusted to them. The third servant, why can't I have that gift, God? The third servant buried his master's money maybe thinking the master wouldn't come back and he would have a piece of the estate not registered as belonging to the master in a bank. In the parable of the minas, the results from the investment vary widely, up to 10 times one mina um, in the investment, but one of the slaves hid the money. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them, and the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master... You entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. And his his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one also who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted to me two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. God rewards faithfulness with position responsibilities and joy. Different gifts, but the same relative results here in the parable of talents. The master rewarded his faithful slaves with greater but indefinite responsibilities and the promise of joy. In the parable of the minus, the responsibilities are spelled out and are parallel to the results as they have authority over the number of cities that they gain minus, probably in the morning. Verse 24. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you had you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to, to have uh, put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does, uh, what he does have shall be taken away. And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Genuine saving faith will result in faithful service and thus reward. A lack of faithfulness indicates a lack of saving faith and results in eternal ruin. The wicked slave demonstrates by his lack of faithfulness as a steward that he is not worthy of reward and that he is qualitatively different than the other slaves. This is not a situation in which a believer who is not faithful in service to the Lord could lose their salvation. That is not the case. Rather, it is an example of James 2.18. But someone may well say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. This is an occasion where he did not show true faith because he did not have the works. True saving faith will be demonstrated over time by our faithful, obedient behavior, growing in that faithfulness and obedience. So the big question is this. How will the way we live here and now affect our eternity? The answer is faith in Jesus results in inheritance. Faithfulness results in reward. And finally, a lack of faith results in ruin. Inheritance, reward, ruin. Revelation 22.12 Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done in response to our service, in response to our faith in Christ, our Savior. What have you done with Jesus? God's evaluation of our lives is that we all sinned. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have earned eternal death with our sin. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus was sent to die in your place and my place. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Romans 5, eight, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Amen. Have you received God's provision for forgiveness and eternal life? John six forty seven says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes." The uh, King James shows the majority text. He who believes in me has eternal life. Said Jesus. You need to transfer your trust from your own best efforts. To Jesus as your Savior. You can do that even now as we close in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the teaching of Jesus, which tells us that reward is available to believers who serve you faithfully. Thank you for giving us the gifts you have given us to use to serve you as stewards use us we pray our Father to glorify you it may be that there is someone here who has not yet come to faith in Jesus Christ no, matter if service is going to say, no amount of service is going to save you salvation is available as a gift through faith in Jesus simply pray like this in your heart God will hear you Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I deserve to be separated from you forever. But you love me. You sent Jesus to pay for my sins. Jesus, right now I transfer my trust to you. I am trusting you to save me. Thank you. Father, lead us to love you more, to please you in all that we do. Use us to glorify your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about this message, Rancho Baptist Church, or simply about knowing God in a deeper way, you can contact us on our website at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Or you can simply call us at area code 951-676-2911. May the Lord richly bless you in your walk with Him.